1: Welcome, Sky Community. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about vulva and vaginal health.
0: So, I was uh, contacted by a reporter this week, um, asking me some questions. Or actually, it was last week, asking me some questions about Kim Kardashian's uh, vaginal gummies. Okay, so these are gummies that you take, and it's supposed to make your vagina smell and taste better. And so I immediately rolled my eyes and uh, almost did not respond, but decided that vaginal health is an important topic and that it should be addressed and we should have a women's health expert address that. So it was kind of fun to contribute to this article, which we'll have to put um, the link to that article in the show notes for you to read if you want to, because several um, gynecologists of the nation, including Dr. Jen Gunter, um, weighed in on this. And so and we just really kind of went into the details and um, one of my favorite quotes of mine that they actually used and that was kind of exciting was that you know the idea that your are seeing if I could pull it up real quick but essentially the idea that your vagina should um smell like a bakery <laughs> or taste you know like a, a fruit is is just absolutely ridiculous so Anyhow, really interesting article from BuzzFeed, and um, I appreciate them asking me to contribute. But that is what has prompted us to really talk about vaginal health. And so, of course, you know, I'm not going to talk about vaginal health without talking about vaginal estrogen because um, vaginal estrogen is to the vagina what collagen is to the face. I'm a huge fan. It is safe for everyone. We can go into more detail on that in a little bit, but we're going to start with some basics. So What is the vulva? Because we always talk about vagina. Everybody calls it the vagina, but half the time or actually probably 80% of the time, we're talking about the vulva. The vulva are the external female genitalia and it's the outer folds of skin are called the labia majora and the inner folds are called the labia minora. And within the labia minora, we have the vestibule. So that opening right there, the entry of the vagina. So the vagina and the urethra open into the vestibule. And on either side of the opening of the urethra, we have these tiny little glands called the Skene's glands, and then two additional glands called the Bertholian glands. And those are located on either side of the vaginal opening. And then the clitoris is located at the top of the labia minora. Um, it actually extends deep inside the body. So I always say it's just the tip of the iceberg what we're seeing. And if you're watching us on YouTube, I'll pull out my little clitoris model to show you my 3D cl- clitoris model. I love to mesmerize patients with this and the fact that your clitoris is actually this large. It looks kind of like a wishbone for those who are listening. Um, and so, though, though, our female pleasure organ. And is the only organ in the human body that is simply for pleasure. And it got a lot of press in the news um, this year or in 2022, actually, as well, with a new finding that it has um, many more uh, nerve endings than we actually thought. So very exciting. All right. So the visible part of the clitoris, this part right here that we see is the glands, and um, it's partially covered by a fold tissue called the clitoral hood. Now, sometimes this clitoral hood can actually become fused. And so it's really important. It can create pain and discomfort, um, could decrease sexual pleasure. So it's important to make sure that your provider is actually examining these areas. Okay. And then finally we have the perineum, which is the area between the vagina and the anus. All right. Let's talk about the hymen real quick, because that's another thin membrane that partially covers the entrance to the vagina. It sometimes can be Torn or stretched during using a tampon or um, during intercourse. But the presence or absence of a hymen does not indicate virginity. Never has, does not, um, because every body type is different. So the vulva changes during puberty in response to the increases in estrogen and other hormones. The labia minora are going to grow, widen, pubic hair is going to start to develop on the labia majora in the Mons. Um, the pubic hair increases in amount over time, becomes thicker and extends. So it can extend onto the um, in the inner thighs even. So usually it's an, like an
1: upside down triangle. It's kind of the adult pattern that we have. One, a common question that we get is how do you know if your vulva is
0: normal? Okay. There's a wide range of normal genitalia. There's actually a fabulous book that shows all the different varieties of female genitalia. Uh, The labia majora uh, can range in in width from a fourth of an inch to two inches. The labia minora often extend beyond the labia majora, um, but it's also normal if they don't. So sometimes the labia minora sit inside the labia majora. Sometimes they're longer and extend beyond the labia majora. And sometimes the labia can even be uneven in size. All of these differences are normal. Okay. Another big question is, do I need to groom my pubic hair? And I actually had a lady in her seventies ask me about this this week. So everybody is wondering, we might as well talk about it, right? Most women um, have some general pattern of hair. Like I said, that upside uh, down triangle Um, But there are differences in texture. This changes, the texture changes as we age and we have less estrogen on board. Um, Some women choose to remove all of their pubic hair, some in different areas, like if it goes outside of the bikini line, uh, but there's really no medical or hygienic reason to do so. And some of the ways that you remove hair could actually cause infection or injury. So think like shaving, you could actually get infected hair follicles or get a labial abscess. Um, waxing, right, could burn the skin. And um, so there are definitely you know, pros and cons to consider, and it's a personal preference. So what do you do if you notice um, discoloration to the skin of the vulva? This is definitely a time that you want to check in with your gynecologist. You know, it's important for us to actually even look and see what's our normal. So a lot of people are surprised whenever I pull out the mirror to show them their labia because they've not ever seen it before. Um, Or they are like, oh, don't show me, don't show me. But, you know, it's important to know if you've got moles, if you've got some particular dark colored spots that are there, if there's any new bumps or pain or swelling, itching, burning, all of that. Any of those indications, you should probably see a gynecologist. So let's talk about normal discharge, right? So at puberty, the vagina begins to produce discharge um, and it's totally normal. It's mostly water. It also contains microorganisms. And so this is when you may have heard um, you know, lactobacilli being like the primary microorganism of the vagina um, because the vagina is um, acidic and that helps prevent infection. So the discharge naturally happens or keeps the genital area clean and healthy by removing dead cells from the lining of the vagina. How cool is that? Um, The amount and the makeup of the normal discharge will change throughout your menstrual cycle. So it's, it's totally common to have discharge and for it to change. And because it is acidic, sometimes it can stain your panties. That sometimes alarms people. All right, so everybody wants to know, how do they know if their vaginal discharge is normal, right? So you may think that this is abnormal, um, but typically it's normal if it's clear and if it doesn't have a noticeable odor. Um, signs of abnormal discharge would be, you know, a change in color, um, a significant odor, an increase in amount or consistency from what you're used to. Um, there is a certain amount of vaginal odor that is normal. Also, if you've like been sweating, like sweating, sweat doesn't necessarily stink, but the bacteria on the skin combined with the sweat can create quite an odor. So that brings me to like how to take care of our vagina. Remember our vagina is an internal organ. Nothing needs to go in to clean the vagina. It is self-cleaning, but the vulva do need to be cleaned. And the labia majora that have the hair bearing areas need to be cleaned with uh, water and mild soap. And the labia minora can just be cleaned with water. You don't need any sprays or deodorants or douches. Like, none of these things are recommended. I can't stand that aisle in the store. I avoid it at all costs. It is all just uh, marketing and it will usually land you in my office. But again, if you have an odor that is bothersome to you, that has changed, that, you know, if you have green frothy discharge, you know, if it's something significant, then obviously you want to come see the gynecologist to get it checked out. So let's talk about estrogen. Estrogen helps keep the vaginal lining thick and supple. It encourages the growth of lactobacilli and that's the bacteria that makes the substance that keeps the vagina slightly acidic, like I mentioned earlier. It also protects the vagina from harmful uh, disease causing microorganisms. Um, Yeast also may be present in a healthy vagina, but the natural acidity of the vagina helps to keep yeast and other microorganisms Um,
1: From growing out of control. The most common vaginal infections are actually a yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis. Thank you, ma'am. So during pregnancy, you have a
0: lot of hormones on board. Your estrogen and progesterone levels are significantly higher. And as more estrogen and more blood flow goes to the vaginal area, and your, your vulva can become swollen. Uh, the color of the vulvar skin actually in the opening of your vagina may be
1: darker. Um, you may have an increase in vaginal discharge. And vaginal infections can be more common in pregnancy. And some even develop
0: a varic- varicose veins in the vaginal region, the vulva and the anus region. Um, but in the anus region, those are called hemorrhoids, right? So um, this can all
1: be incredibly uncomfortable, but it goes away after you don't have a baby sitting on your pelvic floor. So in the postpartum state, you have a lack of estrogen
0: on board um, and you're, nursing and breastfeeding, you can use vaginal estrogen. I was reading an article the other day as I was doing a little bit of research and looking at some info for this podcast episode. And I was just really appalled by this article that was put out by a major health organization talking about when you couldn't use vaginal estrogen, which is a lot of misinformation. Um, Vaginal estrogen can absolutely be safely used during breastfeeding. We do not get a large systemic absorption of, um, so when I say systemic, we're not seeing an increase in your estrogen levels. Um, this is not like giving you a pill or a patch or something of that nature. Um, so it's very safe to be used and it really can help whenever you have that significant vaginal dryness. And you may be thinking like, sex is not on the um, on the agenda in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's so dry and uncomfortable. And I often say that, you know, that postmenopausal state, um, I'm sorry, that postpartum state can mirror menopause. So vaginal estrogen is it can be used very safely in the postpartum period when you're breastfeeding even. Okay, so during menopause. So menopause is defined as 12 months without a cycle. It is the end of your reproductive state, right? You are um done having periods. This decrease in estrogen level that happens affects the, the vagina and the urinary tract significantly, right? And so over time we get these genito-urinary symptoms of menopause. Um, your vaginal lining can get thinner, drier, less elastic. And that can cause an increase in urinary tract infections, vaginal itching, vaginal burning, vaginal fissures, all kinds of discomfort. Um, decreased lubrication with sex, leading to painful intercourse, bleeding after sex. So all of these changes um, can really impact your sexual pleasure. And that one of the most common reasons that women in their postmenopausal period don't um, have sex is because of pain, because our brain is smart and we don't want to have um, sex that doesn't feel good. So what are some things that you can do? How do we keep our vagina healthy, specifically as we um, move into that genitourinary uh, syndrome of menopause and that menopausal state? Uh, Now, I didn't mention earlier, like if you're you're in your 20s and 30s and you're wanting to maintain a healthy uh, vaginal health, you know, essentially good hygiene, like we discussed and using barrier methods with intercourse, like those are the keys for your vaginal health. When it comes to urinary symptoms of menopause, we gotta be thinking about it. we we need a bigger toolbox, all right? We need a, a, some a little more things in our our bag of tricks. So one is vaginal moisturizers and lubricants. So these can help to relieve vaginal dryness and painful intercourse, but they they're over the counter and they would be used daily, at will, <laughs> at nausea. <laughs> Um, local um, estrogen therapy, which is a low dose vaginal estrogen therapy, this can come in the form of vaginal creams, vaginal rings, vaginal tablets, is a small dose of estrogen that is directly applied to the vaginal tissue. And we're going to go into a little more detail about that here in a minute. Um, so that helps to restore the natural thickness and elasticity to the vaginal lining and also uh, relieves dryness and irritation now uh there is also systemic estrogen therapy so this is when we talk about hormone therapy hormone replacement therapy uh, this think uh pill patch gel spray applied to the skin so this estrogen is released into the bloodstream travels to the organs and tissues where it's needed in this instance if you have a uterus then you still have to you're going to need a progestin, when taking the estrogen therapy. And that helps to reduce your risk of cancer of the lining of the uterus. Um, But there still is about 30% of women who, if they use systemic estrogen therapy, they still need local estrogen therapy. So I wanna break that down a little bit. Um, Local, again, means that it's treatment that's applied directly
1: to the affected area. So in this case, the vagina. And the results, you know, it's quantifiably a
0: lower dose of estrogen than systemic estrogen treatments. And it limits the amount of estrogen that you are um, exposed to if you're just using the local estrogen. Now, there are many other reasons that you might use systemic hormone therapy, and that is was actually talked about on last podcast. Okay, so there are three types of FDA approved local estrogen therapy, vaginal ring, vaginal creams, and vaginal insert. So I always say, you know, if your hormone therapy isn't working for you, it's usually the dose, the route, or the formulation. And so knowing that there are options is just exciting. Um, And it just takes, you know, communication back and forth with your provider um, in order to get it right. Because, you know, you could easily go, oh, that estrogen never worked for me. I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to bother with it but you definitely have options. So, um, estradiol vaginal inserts or tablets like called Vagifim, um, it's inserted into the vagina. You do daily
1: for two weeks and then twice weekly going forward. And this is, um, this is estradiol. It, it, um, sorry, I'm not saying this clearly. <laughs> it, it mimics exactly
0: what our body creates, right? It's the, the molecular structure of estradiol is exactly the same as what your body makes. So bioidentical? Yes. Um, so with the Vaget you use a little applicator to insert this tablet, or you just put the tablet in the vagina. Now, most of the times, whenever we start on this vaginal or local therapy, we'll do it daily for two weeks, but some people don't really tolerate that. And some people get really just kind of worn out on it. And so I tend to start where I intend to go. So whether that's twice weekly or three times weekly. Okay. So we talked about the vaginal tablet. The vaginal cream is entirely popular one. And we've got two formulations with us. We've got estradiol, which is an esterase cream, and we've got primerin, which is your conjugated estrogen. Okay. Um, so the cream gets inserted in the vagina, usually a half or one gram. And the usual
1: dosage um, is once or sorry, twice or three times weekly. Okay. And then we have the S string. So S string again is estradiol vaginal
0: ring. And you actually insert it and leave it in place for three months. So I have patients who love this because it's kind of a set it and forget it. No, you don't have to take it out for a vaginal ultrasound. No, you don't have to take it out for intercourse. Does it have to be pulled out and rinsed? No, not really. Again, the vagina is self-cleaning. And when the ring becomes part of its um, ecosystem, it'll just kind of do its thing. But if you wanted to, you could take it out and rinse it with mild water or, you know, cool water and, and put it back in. No big deal. Okay, so your primer and cream is your conjugated equine estrogen. So really, that's the only one that's not bioidentical. Um, here is Invexy. Invexy is another one that it's an estrogen uh, tablet, but it's different than the the Vagifem tablet. Looks like a pill that you would swallow, right? The Invexy is uh, this neat little teardrop tablet. Um, that's in a, uh, coconut oil-based, um, soft gel capsule, and it gets inserted into the vagina, uh, again, twice weekly. And I have a lot of patients who love this one. This one comes in four micrograms and 10 micrograms. So again, you've got options in terms of your dosing. And that is the summary of the vaginal estrogen gals. So I'm a huge fan um, are there uh, other options other than vaginal estrogen? Yeah. Yes. So one of, of my
1: favorites, um, is actually, I'm going to pull it up because it just escaped me for a minute is interrosa. So
0: Enterosa is Prosterone. It's a vaginal insert. It's an estrogen and androgen precursor. So your body takes it and does exactly what it needs. This is one that you just use nightly. So right before going to bed. Um, and I love it. It's indicated for, um, post-menopausal, um, pain with intercourse. Um, but I, I actually have tried it and I like it. Uh, it, it's a really cool product. Um, So that is another option. And then we have, um, you could even go into things like a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. And these medicines uh, stimulate certain tissues that respond to estrogen while not stimulating other tissues that respond to estrogen, right? So um, it's not estrogen. And so some may have risk. Although SERMs are not estrogen, some may have risk similar to those, um, to estrogen. And then the last would be um, Ospina, which is a tablet um, that is indicated it's a non-hormonal treatment for moderate to severe vaginal dryness and moderate to severe painful intercourse. Um, And so I have had some patients who are very successful on this, especially if they do not want to take any hormones for whatever reason. Um, This is very helpful for the vulvovaginal uh, symptoms of or the genitourinary symptoms of menopause. Okay. I want to remind you that um, to know your sources whenever you are getting your healthcare information. Um, that the idea that you're supposed to smell like a flower or taste like a bakery is absolutely ridiculous. Um, This distorts our body image. It makes women feel like we're broken, that something's wrong with us. It perpetuates this idea that we need to fix our body in order to be appealing. And it's just all BS. So uh, I hope that helps you to have a happy vagina. I hope that answers your questions when it comes to vaginal estrogen. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to email us at hello at Sky Women's Health. I'd be happy to answer your questions or to do another podcast episode um, to clarify. So until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified ob with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication.